Amen. I want to uh, share with you this morning from uh, some things that John, uh, Jesus said in, um, in John chapter 15. Um, and uh, I don't know, it feels like a very, very simple message that I have this morning. It's probably quite short. Um, but it's also, I think, I think profound. I think it can be a game changer if, if our perspective shifts. To just like Bridget has spoke about, just this, this, this love that God has for us. And if that's true, like if the God who controls everything is over everything, right? Who's all wisdom, all power, all knowledge, all capability, is saying that he, he, he's, he's, he operates on our behalf because he loves us. If he actually loves us, um, and we can get on that page, then I think that could be a game changer in our lives to realize that to our experience of life, like every single day. Um, and so I want to share, I want to share some of these words that, that Jesus said. And um, the setting as we come to read it is this, it's, um, it's you know, just after uh, Jesus has washed the disciples' feet, it's like that last meal, the Passover meal, you just shared it noon, you know, he broke bread and all. Um, but he's, uh, he's just washed their feet, right? And Judas has just left the room to go and betray him. So this is what's happening. Like the next kind of major thing to happen in scripture is that Jesus is arrested and then crucified. And we know where the story is going. Um, and he sits, he sits with his disciples, this, this group of guys that he's, he spent the last three years with, these guys who, who he's loved. Um, and he begins to just unpack to them all of this profound stuff. I mean, if you read it um, in the Bible, it's in the Bible project where we were reading this week, right? It's from chapters 13 to 17 in John. So 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. Five chapters, right? And it's like wall to wall, like red letter text, if you have a red letter Bible, yeah? So it's like the words of Jesus. But it's just interspersed. You'll see it's like red letter, red letter, red letter, right? And then there's just like a little few lines of black letters where it's like one of the disciples just like responding to him. So he'd say something and then Peter's like, well, what does that mean? And then Jesus answers him. And then Philip's like, well, what does that mean? And Jesus answers him. And the other Jew is not scary. He's like, well, what does that mean? And he answers him. And it's just so, even that, it's just so beautiful. It's not just Jesus on some didactic, I'm going to lay all this out. It's Jesus interacting with, with people, responding to them. You would think at times, right, like Jesus was speaking, you just shut up and listen, right? But, but it's not kind of what he even calls us. He calls us to, he calls us to wrestle with stuff. He, calls, he doesn't cause us to just figure it out, but to, to, to ask him and to engage. And he wants that intimacy with us. And so he explains stuff that he's never explained to them before in there. It's in there he speaks about, <clears throat> and I think I'm going to the Father, and you know, the Father's house has many matches to prepare a room for you. And, it's like, and then he's like, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He speaks like, with the most clarity around, I'm I'm the Son of God. Yeah, I'm, I'm like this is this is who I am. And uh, he speaks about he's going to send the Holy Spirit. I mean, huge huge stuff. If you think about this conversation in it, he lays out some of the truths that are like literally the truths that change the world, that are like defining reality as it's going to be. This new covenant, this new way that God's going to interact with His people, the age that's to come, the future, the hope of it. And even in the middle of it, he, he says, look, even if you don't understand all of this, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. He's going to help you understand it. Speaking a lot of stuff now, the Holy Spirit's going to come, and he's going to lead you into all truth. Um, and with that in mind, let me just even, even pray. Uh, just recognize this morning, Jesus, that you still, you still speak, and, um, and that these truths that, that, that are written down, your word is, is your word, and it's, that's huge. It's, it's your word, it's you. It's, it's the word that has the, the capacity to change us and shape us, and transform our lives and heal and restore and, and make us into who you want us to be, Lord. And we just confess that, that we need you to help us to help us understand it and process. We need we need your Holy Spirit alive in us to lead us into, into all truth. Lord, you are the truth. And 
Just thank you, Lord, that this morning we're not we're not stuck with just the limitations of our own minds, or we're not stuck with just what we can understand or what our education would say we we have the capacity to comprehend. But uh, your Spirit lives in us, and um, just treasure these moments and we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would lead us into truth today. You would lead us into truth, Lord, where there's been lies dominating our lives, where there's been anything that we've aligned with that isn't that isn't you. You would lead us into all truth, into all truth this morning, Lord God. We trust your word has the capacity to do that. We trust that, that, that your Holy Spirit living in us can and will do that. That would be our heart. And um, we just align our hearts with yours this morning, Lord God. I ask that you would speak to us and that your word will bring life. Um, in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so yeah, let me read it. Let me read it then. John 15. Um, this is in the middle of that kind of speech, about halfway through. Um, it says this. Um, I am the true vine. This is the seventh kind of I am statement that John records. There's seven of them. And I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you can ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now, remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I've told you this, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other, as I have loved you. Okay. So let me share a few thoughts, among many that could probably be shared from, from this passage. Um, but the thing that stood out to me about, about a month ago, I was in a meeting um, with a group of other pastors, and my friend Kieran was leading just a short devotional to open the meeting, and uh, he opened with this passage, and um, particularly, he just, he just said something in verse 2, and have you ever had moments in your, in your life where you just know, okay, this is, this is for me right now? Somebody says something, your eyes widen and does everything else on the table. You don't hear whatever else they said, but you know in that moment it was for you. And he spoke from that, that verse 2. And the second part of it says that um, he cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit, okay? That's not speaking about us, that's, that's speaking about people who don't know Jesus, right? But he says this, while, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. Kirill said this, he says that every branch that is fruitful in the Lord is simultaneously being pruned. And, um, and those words kind of just stopped me in my tracks a bit. They kind of floored me a bit. I was probably in a space where, um, I don't know guys, have you ever gone to, uh, to step in to follow the Lord and you feel like, right, I'm, going to, I'm doing the right things here? following what Jesus wants for me, you know, maybe you've doubled your efforts into something, like you've spent more time in devotion, or you've stepped into some form of ministry, or you've taken some step out in the Lord, and, um, and almost as soon as you do, it comes with some sort of opposition then, 
Yeah? Like, and what, what tends to happen in our brains is, oh Lord, I thought I was doing the right thing. Why has this happened? Do you know what I mean? I thought I was following you. Why have I lost this relationship? I thought I, thought I was following you. Why have I lost this, this person? I thought I was following you. Why, why am I getting sick? I thought, I thought I was following you. Why have I lost my job? Why? You know, when we kind of equate these things, like as we're going after the Lord, we kind of expect everything to just work out. And then somehow we think that when opposition comes, it's like evidence that God isn't at work in that thing. Or God isn't faithful. Or it tests our, our kind of like our, our resolve. It tests our faith. It tests even like even fear comes in. And too often, I think, we, we tend to just then take a step back. You know, we step back from things at all. You step back from almost like the cost is, is too much or like, well that's not exactly what I signed up for. I thought if I started doing all of this stuff then everything is going to be like easy and rosy and like look like immediately immediately fruitful. But any of us who walk through any kind of period of time will know that that's not, not often the case. It's often the case that when we step into the things of God then we face frustrations and we face fears and we face opposition and we face losses and we face all this stuff that tends to come against us. And when Kieran said those words, like I was going through a period of time in that, in like some of this stuff, sometimes like I, 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 I can feel at times that life would be easier if God hadn't called me to do what he's called me to do. Or he hadn't called me to be who he's called me to be. It would be a lot easier if there was a less standard on our life or a, or a smaller call on, on our lives. And it wouldn't come with like a lot of the stress and frustration and stuff that we face in life. And I know that's, that's, that's waffle. I know that's, that's not true, but that doesn't stop us from feeling it. Feeling it at times, yeah? Um, and I was in that kind of space, and when Kieran said that every branch that's fruitful is simultaneously going to be pruned, it just floored me. It's like, do you get? I don't know if I can even communicate it, but the Holy Spirit did something in my heart. It's like, God is pruning you because you're fruitful. Like, he's, He prunes the fruitful areas of your life, He prunes the things that are already producing fruit. In your life. So it's not evidence that he's not happy with that thing. It's evidence that he wants you to go from one degree of glory to another. And so he prunes those things. And I think the language is deliberately kind of like violent. Pruning. Like we grow vegetables at home with like pruning shears. There's not a lot you can do with those shears that isn't painful. Do you know what I mean? They're, they're like scary looking implement. But God prunes those areas of our life that are already fruitful. That's that, that was huge to me, because I probably would tend to think God prunes away the stuff that isn't fruitful. Do you know what I mean? But, but, but no, not only would he cut away the stuff that isn't fruitful, but he would cut away at the bits of your life that are the best bits of your life, because he wants them to even be, to be better. And that's a, that's a game changer if we, can, if we can get it that day. The branches that are fruitful are the ones that he wants to prune. And it comes with this, this, great, this great truth. And it's all over scripture. It's, 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 all over the, it's all over the place. It's consistent truth uh, in scripture that, uh, that there's nothing that can happen in your life, whether it's by your own action or by the action of the enemy or whatever. There's nothing, absolutely nothing, that God can't take and use to make you more like his son. That's huge. Like I used to, man, sometimes I would be facing into situations. You know, just stuff that you go through in life, in relationships, in church. And I would be praying. And usually I'm praying, Lord, will you change this situation? Lord, will you fix this thing? And the, the perspective shift that's happened, that's just brought me into, into deep intimacy with the Lord in new ways. And made me see that his mercies really are new every morning. I used to be praying about situations changing, right? And then somebody a while back, I was doing a coaching course. And this guy, Dave, who was leaving and said that. 
The primary thing that God is doing is not working to change that situation. It's working in the middle of that situation to make you more like a son. So whether the situation like ends up like becoming what we want it to be, whether the relationship is restored or the conflict is managed or the job is fixed or whatever it is, the family stuff, it's not like not that God can't and doesn't answer those prayers, but the main thing that he's doing in the middle of all of it, there's nothing that he's not at work in to make you more like Jesus. No loss, no scheme of the enemy, no failure, no sin even like that we go through that God can't take and use and use to make you more like his son. When we settle that in our hearts, right, that God is big enough and wise enough and above everything enough to take even our mistakes and our failures and use them for his glory and for our good, then I'm like the confidence that comes from that and the intimacy that comes and the potential to be able to step into the presence of the Lord and rely on his grace and say, Lord, even though I've messed up, even though I've failed, or even though I'm facing this opposition, I trust that right now you're doing something in my heart and I, I, I want to know what it is. When we do that, when we step in and like those disciples, like press him with the questions and trust that he even wants that level of intimacy, he even wants that level of talking with us, that level of interaction. Not just like, like blind obedience or faith that like remains distant from God and so I don't know what's happening, I just need to have faith. No, faith really believes that God is good enough and God loves us enough for us to want, rela- for him to want relationship with us that we could press into him and ask him, ask him for those things. There's nothing, even the painful things, even the pruning, he's at work in all things to bring about to bring about his plans for you. I brought just this scripture as I was, I was sitting there, I'll, I'll Google it. Like, look, look, Romans 8, and it's, it's, we read it so much. Romans 8 is called the pinnacle of all scripture, right? But, but like, 8.28, just let me read it. Uh, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. For those who God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son. See what he's saying there is that God who foreknew you, who knew every day that you would walk, has predestined that you would be conformed to the image of the Son. Knowing everything that you would ever face in life, every situation you would ever go through, every, every hard thing, every painful thing, every bit of pruning, he's predestined you to be conformed to the image of the Son. As we abide in him, it's inevitable that we become more like Jesus. And that's what God is after. He's after transforming. He doesn't want to leave you where you're at. He's come to rescue and redeem and restore you and produce fruit in your life. It says we're going to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. What he's saying there is like, God has done everything from start to finish to make us, to make us more, more like Jesus. And that should, that should compel us. Because when we talk about being more like Jesus, we're not just talking about being like, I don't know, like, all, like, like holy and, I don't know, we don't live in Jerusalem and we do, like, you know, like Jesus in that way. But Jesus who has like perfect peace in all, in all situations. Jesus who walks full security of the love of the Father. Jesus who's able to love unconditionally because he receives love unconditionally. You know, Jesus who's full of joy. Jesus who... Jesus who, who, who's able to like live as the, the, the humanity that we're meant to be. Like the purposes that he has for you. God is at work in all things to make you more like Jesus. And he'll prune away the things that get in the way. You know, we grow, like I said, we grow uh, vegetables. That was our lockdown project. We started growing lots of stuff out the back. And we still do it now, even though we've, we've less time. But uh, we have a polytunnel and we grow tomatoes. And tomato plants, we grow these cordon types rather than bush types, so they're trained up this, this, uh, this like we have a block on the ground and like a twine, and they train them up 
And if you don't go out every day, right, there's these branches that come out and they produce these little yellow flowers, and the yellow flowers eventually become tomatoes, right? But, but in between the branches, in between that little L shape where the branch comes out, about every day or two, a little, a little side shoot will come out. And you have to go out and pinch them out, right? If you leave them for a week or two, as I often have, and they've gone out, it's like a whole new tomato plant has grown out of that, that middle piece, right? And it just gets unwieldy and it gets whatever. And you still get, you still get some tomatoes, right? You still get some fruit. But a lot of the energy of the plant now has gone into producing other branches and it's gone into producing other plants and leaves and all that sort of stuff you need to, to prune so you get the fruit that you're meant to get. And then towards the end, you end up having this stalk and you've got all these branches coming out and they're producing tomatoes. And they recommend you go in there, in, into those branches that the tomatoes are on and cut off even all the leaves and all that sort of stuff when it's setting its fruit. So for all the energy that the, the, the plant is getting from the ground and the nutrients and the way you're feeding it, what goes into you getting the fruit that it was made to do. And that's what, that's what the Lord does. He, he comes in and he, he prunes away things that, uh, that, we're, that we're doing. He prunes away aspects of our life, the ways that we can so quickly. I mean, like, it's literally, I've, I'm, I haven't got into my tomatoes in about two weeks, right, since I've been back from this over. I'm dreading going out to the polygon because they're going to be all over the place. But our lives, our lives so quickly, man, we just, we just, we're going well with the Lord and then it's just side shoots. This thing, taking our attention and all of a sudden we're putting our energy in here, we're putting our effort in here. And I don't have time to pray, or I don't have time to spend time with the Lord, or I don't have time to get to home church, or I only have time to barely make it to church on Sunday, I'm running off, my head is in another place. And you're pursuing all this, this other stuff that's just bull, right? This stuff that doesn't, that doesn't matter. And the Lord will come along and he'll prune it. He'll prune it. And very often the ways that he prunes it is painful because he needs to reveal what's going on in our hearts. He wants to reveal that to us. I heard a preacher once say that our greatest fear shouldn't be failure, but of succeeding in, at the things in life that don't really matter. Yeah? That we just put our efforts into, into so much stuff that, that doesn't really matter. Meanwhile, God is saying, here's one of our dreams in my life, the proof of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, much patience, kindness, goodness, purity, gentleness, self-control. How many of us need those things? Self-control, the ability to resist, to resist sin, to see life go the right way, peace. I talked to a guy on the street, like many of you know, know the guy, a guy who's been around Bray for years, and every time I see him, he's like, say a prayer for you, Rob. What do you want me to pray for, man? He's like, just a bit of peace. Points at his head, and you just see it in his eyes, man. His head is in turmoil. Like, just peace. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Something that comes as a fruit of the Spirit that we get from, from abiding, from allowing God to prune away rather than chasing that peace in whatever other, other things. I just want to encourage you that if God is, is pressing on something right now, even if it's painful and it feels like there's a pruning shears in on something right now, that he's trying to remove something that's hurt or bitterness, anger, or issues that we went through in life, you can allow him to cut it away because he's good, yeah? Because, because he loves you, because this is what he wants for you. He's not pressing on those things like, ha ha, see what you did, I'm going to press on that and make you feel guilty about it for the rest of your life. He's pressing on something and bringing up shame from the past or something like that. Why is he doing that? We know, we know what it is, so we can cut it away, yeah, and get, and get rid of it. doesn't bring it up to beat you up over it. See, see when you did that, I'm going to bring that up for the next 30 years. Is that, is that the God that we know and love? Is that the God who loves us? No, it's not. If he brings it up, it's so we will press it in with his grace and be like, oh, right, yeah, remove it. It's painful, but like, like, take it away. Cut it away. I don't, want, I don't want to live with that stuff. Take it away from me. Because it's in the God is in the tough times, very often it's in the painful times that our, our hearts are, are actually revealed. And this is 
This is the way how you change happens in our lives. God doesn't just change your behavior. He doesn't just say, do this and then and, and change your behavior. He has to change it at the level of your heart. And the only way that your heart can change is if your heart is exposed. Yeah? And very often the only way that our heart gets exposed is through tough times. It's through those painful things. Because we're good at just fooling ourselves. Life just like picks along and we can hold on to the hurts, or we can hold on to the bitterness, or we can hold on to whatever it is, the sin, the pride, the self-centeredness, the, 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 the ambition, whatever it is that can come to dominate our lives. And we can just live with it there as life takes a long but, but when life falls apart, then our hearts are, are exposed and we're forced to do some of this, this thinking. Struggles reveal where your heart is at. And the big thing that stuck out to me when Kieran said those words and what, what may stick out to you today or what I'm pulling you to know is that the struggles that you're facing, the issues that you're facing could be, very well be the way that the Lord's trying to expose the area of your heart that he wants to restore. That we don't just try and pray away those things, but instead we lean into we lean into Jesus and just ask, What are you doing? What man, this, this stuff's this stuff's coming up for me. This stuff is is going me. This this is what this is what I'm feeling right now. What are you what are you doing? I couldn't dare to believe that Jesus cares enough to want to want that relationship with us. That he wants he wants that intimacy, he wants to answer those things, he wants to he wants to be who we're meant to be. Because he's not just interested and changing your behavior, but really changing your heart. I don't want to use this example before, right? but like if, I, if I shake this water, right? and some, and water, water, I think water, like water, water comes out, right? And I ask them, well, like, why did water come out of the bottle? And you're like, well, because you shook it, water. Yeah, that's why, that's why water comes out. And very often we look at our lives and we're like, well, I'm only feeling this way because I've been shaken, because somebody did this to me or somebody did that to me. But if I rephrase the question, I re-emphasize it, like, why did water come out of the bottle? Why was it water that came out? Because, because water was in it. Yeah? And it's, uh, it's those things when we're shook in our lives that the stuff comes out of our lives that we might not have even been aware were in there. But it's the shaking that brings it out, that brings it to the surface. And again, it's going to bring it to the surface so we can say, hashtag watch it. So we can say, you're so bad. No, we bring it to the surface because right when he does, that's when his grace is there to deal with it. Yeah? Right when he does, that's when his grace is there to heal. Right when he does, that's when his grace is there to restore. He's so much better than we think he is. He's so, he's so much more for us than we even know right now. You know my story in my life, when eventually I was shook through the death of my parents and, and eventually got to the space of like pouring out my heart and where, where like, here's how I feel, Lord. I feel hard done by, I feel you let me down, I feel all of this stuff. And, and in, that, in that thing, I won't share my story again because you guys know it, but the Lord revealed to my heart that he was greater than my parents had ever been. Like, he's greater than you think he is. But it's only when you're willing to expose to expose that stuff before him, or when he makes you with him while you're going through some pruning, that then that then we can step in and his, and his grace is there to heal and to, to restore. The point is that the struggle brings out what's inside, and when it does, the grace of God is there, calling us to, to abide, calling us to him. That's, that's what it's about. It's about him calling us to himself. Because this is more than, than just some um, like some some good advice. You know, it's more than just some You know, I'm not just saying I'm not just saying, you know, philosophically like you could hear outside the church. Well, when you go through tough times it makes you stronger. Do you know what I mean? I'm not just saying you go on the Instagram find a million pictures of people saying, Well, it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. I'm not you know, I'm not I'm not just pointing to that, what I'm pointing to is is, 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 I'm saying more than just going through tough times making strong. I'm saying that there's one who's over it all 
There's one who knows everything. He knew your days. He predestined you to become more like a son. He wants to spend eternity with you. And he knew what you were facing these days. And he knew that he could use what you're facing to make you more like Jesus today. I'm saying that there's one who loves you. And will never give up on you. And will never forsake you. Start with the good work. He's going to be faithful to, to complete it. I'm trying to tell you that, that when you go through tough times, it's not evidence that he doesn't care. It's, it's, it's testimony to his greatness that he'll take even the broken and the crappy things of this world and he'll use them for your good and for his glory. Yeah? That God is bigger and better than you think he is. And the call in this verse isn't just a call to like go through tough times, go through the pruning. It's a call to abide in God. And you see that invitation, abide in me. He's literally, literally like to live, live in me. In him we live and move and have our being, says the scripture. Like to live. Live in me. Not just visit me on a Sunday morning for an hour or two and sing some songs and listen to some preach. But live. Live in me day after day. Like abide in me. That's the invitation of God. Jesus says that to his disciples by extension to us. They can live in me. He desires for us to have this intimacy with us. He desires, guys, for you to know his voice, for you to know his direction, for you to know his love and his calling. He desires that for you. For you to be able to ask and hear when you're going through tough times and know what it is that God is doing. And with me, please, please hear that. It's a, it's a whole different thing than what passes for faith, you know? I've said it before, but just in case you didn't hear it, like very often what passes for faith is you're going through a tough time when you just have to have faith, you know? And really what we're saying there is don't question it, don't press into it, just put your head down and keep going, right? That's all right, like, put your head down and bow your head before the Father, yeah? Or lift your eyes up and see where you see where your help comes from. The answer in the scripture is that we have this, this God who gave everything for us. We celebrated it already in communion. He gave his life for us so that he could dwell in us by the power of his Holy Spirit. He could abide in us. He could live in us. This is world changing stuff he's saying. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. You're going to be filled with me. You're going to live in me. You're going to dwell in me. You're going to walk with me. You're going to know me. You're going to know my voice. That's your inheritance, Christian. Don't settle for less than it. Don't settle for thinking that's for Bob or that's for Bridger or that's for whoever else gets the mic. Like that's, that's for you to abide in Jesus, to know him, to walk with him. All possible because of what, what he's done. <coughs> So I just want to, I want to read the scripture that's calling us, it's calling us to abide, to live in them. And you know that's a, re, a, a repeated, it's one of the values we just we put up there. You know, like our, the values of our church, that we're loved by God and we love him in return. My favorite scripture is Psalm 1, it's all just about abiding, abiding in Jesus. Yield your fruit in season. Why? When you meditate on the law of the Lord day and night, you find your delight in it. Not about the striving, it's about the abiding, about living in him, pressing into him. And as you do, that's the place where I'm convinced you can get the perspective on what God is doing in your life. Too many of us live as Christians thinking, I go through a tough time, just grip me teeth and go through it. You know what I mean? And then keep showing up to church or whatever. And I love that people come to church sometimes. <coughs> but it can, it can act as a substitute for like, I really need to know what God is doing. I'm really honest with myself. I need to know what he's having in heart. I need to know why he's brought me through this thing. I need to know why I'm facing this stuff. To know why this stuff is overwhelming with you, why this stuff is occupying my head, why it's occupying my heart, why there's a twist in my gut. What I'm trying to tell you is that you can go to Jesus with that stuff. Not only can you go to Jesus with that stuff, He wants you to go to Him with that stuff. It's in the place of abiding that we realize what's happening in the pruning. 
But we don't just see the pruning as painful or pruning as punishment or something, but we see the pruning as a way that he's going to bring about more fruit in the fruitful areas of our lives. The way that's already been fruitful, he wants to change. He wants to change our hearts from the inside out. There's one of the verses there that it hits at our pride if we're honest. You know, it says, If you remain in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit, right? Great. And then the next one, apart from me, you can do nothing. And that hits, that hits at the, the pride of our hearts. You can do, then you can do nothing. An elephant in the room, you can do a lot of things without Jesus. Yeah, billions of people don't know how to do a lot of things. What's he saying? He's saying, he's saying, you can't change your heart. He's saying, the lasting fruit that I want to bring about in your life, the stuff that is conforming you to the image of Jesus, it's new humanity, the restored humanity, the plans that I had for you. The only way that that happens is if you abide in me. I'm the source of that. Take the vine off the branch, it doesn't do anything, it withers and dies, yeah? Be connected. Be connected to me. That's the only way that you change. You can't change your heart. It's not a capability you possess. Only Jesus can. And his great delight is to do that, is to, to change our hearts. So I'm going to call you, church, just to the stuff we're already called to, to, to those practices we have, like being in the Word, being in fellowship, being together with one another, being in worship and prayer. Those things that we know connect us to our Father, yeah? Like those things that we know are the things that, that give us the perspective that we need on life, to not just like get through it, but to thrive, to see our lives become more fruitful. One last thing I want to share, because I don't think I can read this scripture without this, is, is on obedience. There's pruning, there's ob- uh, abiding, and then also in this scripture there's, there's obedience. So from uh, verse 7, which is the next slide now, listen to this. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Now here we go. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And my command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. So God's given us his, his word, treasure. It's the reason for the Bible project. Yeah, it isn't like we just have a project or something. It's like, can we be a people who together are shaped by the word of God? who are reading it together, you know? Like, what's he saying there? If you remain in me and my words remain in you, like every word that Jesus has spoken, if that remains in you, if that becomes the DNA of your life, if that becomes the filter through which you make decisions and the filter through which you love and the filter through which you obey, that you remain in it, you imbibe it, you take it, you take a hold of it. Same as Psalm 1, yeah? Blessed is the man who delights in the love of the Lord and meditates on it day and night. It's always been about this gift of the revelation of God and his word and who he is. That, that, that becomes part of you part of your, your DNA, then we have the potential to, uh, to, to, well, to do incredible things. What do you say there, verse 7? Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. I mean, that's huge, yeah? Ask whatever, ask whatever, you, whatever you want. But what's implied here isn't just that, okay, I read the Bible and then I ask God for a Mercedes and I'm like, that's what happens like everyone because I read the Bible, right? He's saying, as the words remain in you, right, as they become part of you, then you come to reflect my heart. You come to want what I want. You come to desire what I desire. And then God invites us through prayer to be the way through which his will is manifested in the world. Are you with me? That God will place desires in your heart to pray about. And then as you pray about them because of reflecting the heart of God, you become the means through which they're released into the world. Like as his, 
As his ambassador, that's the great honour of prayer, not just to come to God and say, here's what I want to do, and I read the Bible, so you have to do it. Instead, like, I'm immersed in your word, and I come to want what you want, and now God wants to use you as a conduit through which his will would happen, through which his kingdom would come, and his will would be done on earth. That's mind-blowing, man. That's, that's huge. That's nuts like that. God would invite us and give us that, that honour. But it's not remaining in his word, right? If my words remain in you, then he goes on, verse 9, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Remain in his love. Abide in it. How do we remain in his love? Verse 10, If you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love. See, it's not just about knowing the word of God, guys. It's about doing the word of God. Yeah? It's not enough to just, to just know it. You know, I really influenced by this guy, Francis Chan, and he used yeah, this, this great sermon illustration of this. He's like, some reason in church... It's kind of, for so I don't know why, it's perfectly acceptable to hear the word of God and it's not obey. To hear commands of Jesus and then just go away and do what we were going to do anyway. Right? And he goes, that should be, that should be like absurd to us. As absurd as like if he told his daughter, go and clean your room. Right? And two hours later she comes back and says, did you clean your room? But no, but I memorized, I memorized what you said. And, uh, and I know how to say it in Hebrew. Yeah? And I'm going to get a tattoo on my arm in Greek. And then, but did you, but did, but did, but did you actually clean your room? No, but but uh, but there's a group of us going to get together every week, and we're going to study a book about room cleaning every Wednesday night in a coffee shop, and we're going to see see what. Yeah, but did you actually did you actually do what I called you to do? No, but I like I looked up some songs about room cleaning and I WhatsApped them to everybody, like, and uh, everyone was real real blessed by. But just do it. Yeah, just just do it. It's not suggestions. The king of the universe telling you this is what's good for your life. This is how you become part of what I'm doing. This is how you become who you're meant to be. Do. Do. Do what I'll call you to. Not out of religion to gain this favor, but out of love. Because you're so compelled by the honor that God would even speak to us and call us. He's looking for obedience. And I'd be doing this passage of disservice if I didn't reiterate what he himself said he was talking about as a priority in terms of the commands right now. Right? He's like, if you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love, just as I kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so my joy may be in you, and your joy, what a promise, your joy would be complete. And my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. He takes this chance again to say, here's the command, love, love each other. Don't think about it, don't sing about it, don't go study it, do it. Love each other, take the step out, love each other. Make the phone call. Make your life uncomfortable. Go, go and look, serve. Give, give away what you have. Whatever it looks like. No shortage of opportunities to love each other. Yeah? Don't stay isolated. You live in an individualistic culture that says, you hear this sermon, you go away and you just cross out by yourself and you think you don't want to join anything. That's not the kingdom of God. Same thing for family. New commandment I give you that you love each other. Greater love is this than none. No greater love than this than a man would lay down his life for his friends. And then he says, In the way that I have loved you, you love each other. Do you think it's that? The Jesus who laid down his life for him, he's like, That's the way that you should love each other. It's the way I'm meant to love you. It's the way you're meant to love me. And when we do, the world gets to see what love looks like, yeah? We're invited into that. It all comes from abiding. And so I'll, I'll leave us with that, right? Let's be people who are obedient. Let's not be people who just like, like fool ourselves and think we're obedient because we memorized it or whatever. Let's step out and, and love. And I'll call you this week to abide in the presence of the Lord. Just like, 
presence where God is. When we think about it, when you think about it, God has an open door saying, you can press boldly into my presence. What would we be doing floating about life by ourselves trying to figure it out? And he says, oh wisdom, I'll, I'll give you my Holy Spirit and I'll lead you into all truth. What am I doing over here by myself trying to figure it out by myself? That's true. Let's be people who pray to believe in the true step. Step into it and abide. I'm going to pray now and, 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 and I suppose the main trust of what I, I felt to say this morning, and I want to pray for you, is if you're feeling the, the, the pinching of the pruning shears, uh, if something's been, been brought up in your life, you've been in a season of the Lord cutting away stuff, and it feels like cutting away stuff feels, yeah? It feels crap, it feels tough, it feels, it feels sore, and it feels I'd rather not be going through this. Um, I just want to speak faith over you, knowing that, 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 that the Lord prunes what is fruitful to make it more fruitful, yeah? It's not the punishment of the Lord. It's the, it's the love of the Lord saying, I have more, I have more for you. So I'll bring, I'll bring this body before you, Lord, this morning. These people who you love, Jesus. These people who you've called, who you've predestined. These people who, who you want to conform to the image of your Son. And I pray for the grace, um, the strength, even the faith to believe that, that in the middle of pruning, you're active, Lord. And that it's your love that causes um, the pruning to happen for our good. I'll pray for the strength to, to press into that rather than to retreat or run away. I'll pray, Lord God, for the grace to even, for each of us, Lord, to each morning when we rise, to press in and delight in, in your word and who you are. I'll pray. I'll pray that we'd be overwhelmed by your goodness and your love and your mercy, Lord God. And that you would shape our lives, Lord, even to the extent where we come to the space where we're thankful for the pruning because we see what it's produced in our life. I know that's the place I've come to in my life, Lord God. Will you teach me the lesson I want to, as I go through pruning again, to have that same faith in the middle of it, Lord God. Um, and I release that, that over us, church, where, where we're feeling the pain of it, the discomfort of it. I just speak the grace of God. I speak the confidence and perspective of knowing that in the middle of that, God is at work to make you more like Jesus. That it's not just about you pressing on through it or being philosophical, but that, but that the living Son of God raised from the dead wants to encounter you in the middle of that. In reality, not some intellectual exercise, but the reality of it. The Holy Spirit in our lives will make these things real to us, Lord God, as you transform us from the inside out. We thank you that you are working in our God in all things for our good and for your glory. So I speak faith into our lives and I speak perseverance in our God. Um, and I speak hope um, and I speak the grace and the strength to face into those things in you because we trust in your goodness, Lord. And as we talk about obedience, Lord God, would you just cause us to love each other? Would you just, just give us give us even the grace, the strength to just obey that today? Amen. 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 Thank you, guys. Um, don't forget the uh, the offering for Lesotho is there in the box if you're able to do anything. I will try and put together a video this week. Someone, Andy, I think, was asking for it last week. We haven't showed any pictures of Lesotho and the stuff that was happening. We don't tend to put it on social media because we can't put pictures of the kids up and that stuff, you know? So that's stopped us from making videos. But for us here internally, it'd be great to just show you the awesomeness of what's happening. So we'll try and put something together for next week so you can uh, you can see. But um, guys, be blessed this week. The Lord will bless you and keep you. Cause his face to shine upon you. He'll be gracious to you. He'll lift his countenance upon you. And he'll give you peace. In Jesus' name. Amen.